Kevin, Kevin, fast lane. Another events in the books, Kevin. Yep. 2023 is nearly over. We're, we're ticking along, we're ticking along. And tonight, we've seen another one. Pal, how are you? Another one. I'm great, pal. Uh, WWE Fastlane 2023 is in the books. Uh, quite the show. I'll say that. I'll start by saying that. It was, it was quite the show. We had um, a lot of interesting moments. We have a lot of things to talk about. Let's just get right to it. Let's talk about how they started the show. That's the introduction of Jay Cargill. Well, let's get to it. What do you think? I like that. I, I want to be nice and clear. That was a great start to the event, yep. I must say. Now, what you thought of the event after that, we'll get to. There's, there's, there was ups and downs, ebbs and troughs of this show. But how they started this show, I don't think they could have done better. You introduced your new powerhouse star of women's wrestling. Your, your star comes out, well, not comes out, gets out of the car and arrives wearing like full, it was almost like wrestling gear, but not wrestling gear. And Triple H is there. <sighs> Shake my hand. Welcome to WWE. <sighs> Kevin, when you saw that, what were your ruthless opinions, pal? Um, I, I mean, it's kind of like a rollout for that. like when what a new like ruth- athlete signs or like an NBA player or whatever. Or like a soccer player joins a new club. It's kind of like that. Jay Cargill's getting that big free agent rollout. She's being treated like a big star, rightfully so. I mean, as she is. Um, I, I'm watching that and I'm thinking, okay, she's clearly going to be a big deal in WWE. Now, the question is, what is that going to look like? I don't know. But there was some verbiage here from Corey Graves. And, you know, you and I are big on dissecting Corey Graves' verbiage. Because we've been doing that notoriously throughout yep. our, our run these last 10 months. And, and here he is again with this verbiage saying that Jay Cargill, or, or I'm sorry, wrestlers in the locker room are going to be lined up to challenge Jay Cargill. So my question to you is, what does Jay Cargill have that wrestlers are lining up to challenge her for? Is, is she a, a, a women's champion? Does she have, like, the, the fountain of youth? Is, is she... um? What, like, is she like, uh, I don't know, is beating her giving you a trophy? Are you getting elevated to Hall of Fame status? Why is the whole locker room lining up to face Jay Cargill? We will see. Now, you know, I, I do, I concur with you on that. Uh, I guess the whole thing now is just Jay's come in, oh my God, it's Jay. So there's that. Obviously, there's the initial, oh my God, she's going to be a big star. Yes. But. As you say, I mean, as you're hinting at, let's see, let's see what they mean by that. Let's see whether there's something, there's a character, there's a direction, there's something that just, I guess maybe because she's like the, the new kid on the block almost and like this, you know, coming in with such hype, wrestlers want to have a, you know, have a match. I guess that's what our friend Corey Powell, one of the trash men's implying, I think, um, because it's not just because of her build, because we already have Raquel Gonzalez, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, who are all similar builds, and not because she's the only woman who looks like she does with muscles. I think it's because of the hype. I'd imagine if I had to, you know, break down why Corey Graves said that. If, pal, if we could do a whole show breaking down some of the stupid things Corey Graves says, this wasn't too bad. That's what you mean. Guess- no, it wasn't too bad. But I'm just, yeah. I'm listening to that. I'm like, okay, she's just started. Like, can we give her a moment to have, like, a match? Can we see her have an entrance? Can we see something for her? A promo? A face-off? Anything before the whole locker room's like tearing down walls to get to Jade Cargill? 
in my opinion, it should be the other way around. Jay Cargill should be the one that's that's like anxious to get in the ring with you know Rhea Ripley or Bianca Belair. Um, but nevertheless, what what do you forecast for Jay Cargill? Let me ask you that. Go ahead. Well, okay, can you just imagine? Picture this. It's backstage. It's Monday Night Raw. Wrestlers, you're Becky Lynch in the locker room. Natalia's there. Oh, Raquel Gonzalez. They're throwing each other to the ground, slamming people into chairs. It's like a, a brawl-out fight situation with Punk and the Elite and all that and Ace Steel and the, like, the wife's dog and people getting bitten and they're all fighting for the right to face Jade Powell. Corey Graves walking past with his lunch. Like, oh, damn, what's happening over there? It's like Becky throws Raquel through a wall just to fight Jade Powell. Pal, this is WWE. This is Nick Khan's vision. Um, I forgot the question. What, what did you ask me, pal? Uh, what, what do you forecast to be Jay Cargill's like first six or so months in WWE? I'm interested to see like how fast they they flick the switch with her because we know what like the rocket ship push looks like. We've seen this before. Maybe she'll wrestle Survivor Series. Like, she'll be, like, the, the star attraction of a women's Survivor Series match and eliminate an entire team. Maybe she'll have a winning streak, squash everyone. Maybe she'll eliminate 15 to 20 women in the Women's Royal Rumble. Something, I don't know. Um, personally, I want to see her team up with Bianca Belair. I just do. Now, whether they join Lashley's group, I think that would be a great way to bring her in. I do. You know, because you can just stick Jade Cargill on her own on Raw and say, it's Jade, pal. Look, she's muscles. It's Jade. She used to be in AEW with Tony Khan. It's Jade. You can do that. But I think with Lashley, you have Belair and Jade, and like they make that a real like powerhouse on SmackDown. That's my opinion, at least. I prefer to see that than her on Raw. Because, Kevin, who's on Raw? Becky Lynch is on NXT. Rhea Ripley's feuding with men. Who's left? Natalia? Like, yeah, right. And that's the rumor that she's going to be on Raw. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of in that same boat. I mean, is Raw starved for star power? I don't know. I guess they need That's Jay Cargill, but if she has no one to feud with, like you said, what's going to happen with that? I, I thought Rhea Ripley was on Raw. She's not anymore, huh? Well, no. I mean, Rhea Ripley appeared on SmackDown as part of like, that brawl thing, but yeah, wasn't it because the Judgment Day were the undisputed tag team? Oh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, right. But they yeah. were mainly on Raw. Yeah. Like, to me, how I view Raw with the women's division, I'll be quick on this because, I mean, we're reviewing Fastlane, but, yeah. you know, Rhea Ripley is the star, and she's had no one really to feud with all year, so she had a match with Selena Vega and squashed her in her home, like, part of the world, and then had a match which went for 20 minutes against Raquel at some pay-per-view, like, two months ago. That's been her run. There's been, like, no one. Yeah. So She's going to face yeah, guess, Nia Jax, pal. Oh, my God, this is the other thing. Yeah, Nia Jax is the saviour, pal. Nia Jax... The Nia Jax, the one who nearly murdered Kyrie Sane in front of oh, no one man. in 2020. Anyway, pal, let's get us back on track. Talk yeah, let, let's uh, let's just get to the show. Let, let's mm. let's get to the the first match. Yeah. Uh, so we saw Cody and uh, Jay Uso versus Damian Priest and your boy Fergie, Fergal Devitt, Finn Balor. Um, yeah, th this match was hot. It started the show off hot. It was good. I, I thought it was really good. I'd say maybe if I had to give it like a star rating, I'd say like maybe four and a half. Um, I thought it was really fun. I'm not sure exactly what the timestamp was. I want to say it was like in between 15 to 20 minutes. Um, yeah, it's about 20 minutes. About yeah. 20, yeah. yeah, it was good. There's a couple things I want to note here that I wrote that I uh, wrote down. So usually you're the one that does this, and now the roles have reversed. I'm writing down ridiculous notes, and I have a lot. Uh, so one, there was a spot where Rhea Ripley, she grabs Damian Priest's Senor Money in the Bank briefcase, smacks Jey Uso in the forehead with it, 
Jey Uso kicks out, and then Rhea Ripley just puts on like the worst acting I've seen in WWE TV all year, like all year long. She's like what? freaking out, screaming. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay. Like Jey Uso lifted his shoulder up at at a two count. Like it's all right. It's gonna be all right. You know. Um. But then he had the crossroads on the table to Priest. I mean, that was vicious, pal. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I want to say this about the, like, overall, the result. Cody and Jey Uso winning the tag titles, is it ideal? Is it something that we thought would happen? Maybe not. But it has me invested in the tag team titles. Like, I just wasn't invested anymore in seeing Fergal out there holding a championship. Like, I, I just, I didn't care. So, but what did you think about the match? Well, Kevin, let's keep it all the way real with the tag titles. At WrestleMania, those titles, like, peaked. They mm-hmm. main evented 9-1 at WrestleMania. That's as big as you can get, just about. And then after that, not much really happened for five months. Right. You know, Zayn and Owens had them, but were they really like, oh, my God, oh, my God. It wasn't, you know, they're on the show with the props. And then Fergie, our friend, the one who, in our last podcast, we had listeners, you great listeners in the chat and just people saying, we were too, we're too harsh on Fergie. He's not that bad. He may not be that bad, but he's getting so much TV time as the main focus of the main group on Raw. There's, you know, you can be fine and be on the show. Like people like Bronson Reed, great, they're on the show. But Fergie gets so much TV time as like the, the leader of the main faction. So that's, that's why we have such an issue. Anyway, nonetheless, Kevin, the tag titles are going nowhere. I'm having Cody and Jay have them, I guess. You know, Cody having any title, good for him. He should have been world champion in the last six months, but that's a whole different bridge we're not going to cross at the moment. Oh, He's got a different set of titles. He's now entitled to go to SmackDown. Uh, I guess Roman Reigns is going to show up finally. Roman's going to return yeah. next week, Kevin. Mm-hmm. The world champion's going to finish his two-month hiatus of babysitting, I guess. He's going to show up for once. Um, Cody, who's been working seven live events a week, never seeing his newborn child and wife at home. Cody's got tag titles. Good for him. Joe Uso has got tag titles as well. Good for him. It's off of Fergie. My favorite part of the match was JD McDonough getting just decimated. That's my favorite part of Judgment Day matches, pal. Watching JD McDonough, one of the trash men, getting destroyed is the best part of every one of these matches. Um, Cody is involved, so the crowd was hot. I must say that. The crowd is so hot on Cody still. It's unbelievable. And yes, and you might say, your, your counter might be, well, it's good he doesn't have the world title then. They would have gone stale on him. Shush. Don't say that. Uh, pal, any other thoughts? So Cody finished his story, pal. This was his story. He came He came back to WWE. He returned home. All the conquered the undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships with the outcast member of the bloodline, Jey Uso. He's done it, pal. The story is now complete. Kevin, I, yeah, I don't know. Like, I guess, you know, Brian Selling yeah, Ray is the leader of Judgment Day. Cool. Yeah. I guess. You know, in some we're, we're gonna get on that. Hold, hold that. Hold that thought. We're gonna talk about that later. Hold, hold we'll that, that, pal. Yeah. All right. So now I want to talk about this Pizza Hut commercial that that transpired after the opening match. The Booker T is literally okay. All right. This is a guy that's involved in one of the most uh, controversial and infamous moments and pay per views in wrestling history in Bash of the Beach 2000. <laughs> Bash of the Beach 2000 is centered around Terry Bollea exercising creative control <laughs> in, a, in a political fight with Eric Bischoff, <laughs> Vince Russo, and Jeff Jarrett. 
and Booker T is square in the middle of that because Booker T was supposed to be world champion, right? This is an icon of the wrestling business. This is a man that has catchphrases, appeared in a Bad Bunny music video. And this is a guy that is a multiple-time world champion. And here he is in 2023 in the middle of WWE Fastlane. He's promoting Pizza Hut with Xavier Woods as someone else. I don't remember who the third person was. Uh, who was the third person? Do you remember? It was Wade Barrett, Kevin. Wade Barrett, yeah. Wade Barrett saying he got bad news. So here's Kevin. Booker T. Booker T's here. This is, again, this is a guy that's been involved in WCW Bash of the Beach 2000. An infamous political <laughs> political chess move from Terry Bollea. This guy is ordering chicken wings and, and breadsticks from an app on Xavier Woods' phone. <laughs> He's talking to Xavier Woods. He's like, we got the pizza. Oh, you got to get the breadsticks, man. And then Corey Graves, this is, quote, what Corey Graves said during this Pizza Hut promotion. Don't get carried away, Booker. Like, like Booker T is ordering breadsticks and wings. How is he getting carried away? <laughs> this is some multi-billion dollar company. The company just got purchased for $9.8 billion, whatever it was, by Endeavor. And Corey Graves is telling me that Booker T can't order wings and pizza and breadsticks. Ridiculous. That has to be Rachel. That's ridiculous. Kevin, uh, firstly, I love that you bring up something that happened 23 years ago backstage <laughs> in World Championship Wrestling. It's, like it's relevant to anything. I love that. That's great. Thank you for that, pal. You're welcome. Um, now, I- I'm watching this, and I will say this wasn't as bad as the like the Mike's Hard, like Mike's Salsa Lemonade thing from, what was it, SummerSlam, where you had The Miz oh, getting yeah. chucked in a box and like wheeled away with Chad Gable. Th- that was horrible. This was just, I was watching it going, what am I watching? I'm watching Booker T... This legend, who we ranked in our top 50 all-time, Wade Barrett, who was the leader of the Nexus and then got buried, and then his career fell off a cliff. He had injuries. He was bad news. Now he's a commentator. They're discussing the show. Oh, I can't wait for the LWO, pal. I can't wait for Shin versus Rollins, pal. I'm so excited for this pay-per-view. Then Xavier Woods comes over, Triple X star, Xavier Woods, member of the New Day. And he's like, guys, let's order some Pizza Hut. Let's get pepperoni. Booker, do you want some pepperoni? you want some breadsticks? Pal, Nick Khan sat down in a boardroom with executives worth eight figures the other week of Pizza Hut, and they brokered a deal worth a ridiculous amount of money to this segment. Kevin, segments like this is what gets WWE, these billion, multi-billion dollar deals, all these networks, these agencies, these sponsors. Kevin, you can thank Nick Khan. As Brian infamously said, He's the great savior of life, Nick Khan. He's a great visionary. Nonetheless, Kevin, I, 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 was, I don't know what I was watching looking at this. Like, this wasn't as bad as The Miz in a box promoting lemonade, but it was it was just like, bruh, do we need this? <laughs> yeah, Seriously. Yeah, we're watching a top 50 wrestler of all time order breadsticks and chicken wings and be uh, chastised for it by Corey Graves. Nevertheless, I digress. The second match on the show, right? Yep. Three Profits of Bobby Lashley versus the LWO. I, I want to ask you this question to kind of get the conversation going. Yeah. Can you shed some light as to why the, the match started in a three-on-two handicap fashion? Because basically there was a whole beatdown on SmackDown. Right. So right. Lashley's group, the Three Profits, decimated like the entire LWO. They right. took out like Dragon Lee and whatever. And like the whole thing set up to where... Rey Mysterio, I was like, I'll make a call. I got a connection. I know I know a guy. 
And that's what that's what the whole thing was going. And so who's going to be the third man, pal? The match begins, and they're, they're telling us he's not here. Like, the, 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 he's not here yet. He's not here. They did the same thing, like, two nights ago with Cena on SmackDown. His car's not here yet. He's not here yet, guys. Cena's not here. You know, it's like, pal, WWE, Nick Khan. Listen, listen Nick, Paul Levesque, you're making billions. The TKO deal was $9.8 billion. You can organize better wrestler transport, okay? This is getting to the level of 2019 when the plane was stuck down. In, in, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, please don't. Go there. All right, so moving on. Um, yeah, like, I get all that. I, I get it. The yeah. Street Profits and Bobby Lashley laid out the LWO. Mm-hmm. But, like, why why wasn't Carlito's return just... Why didn't he... Was he wasn't he just announced and started the match with the LWO? It, it didn't make sense. This match felt off. Like that, that's what I have here in my notes. Yeah. I, I can't put a finger on it, but something just felt off about it. Montez Ford looked visibly uncomfortable as a heel. I, I don't know. It just he looks like... It just doesn't feel natural. Like the Street Profits, they were having mm-hmm. fun, and it looked like they were really enjoying what they were doing as baby faces, and they were good acts. Like now, it just looks like they're just acting and playing a wrestler. You know, doing like a cro- like a cosplay of a wrestler at this. Do you think they have what it takes to be like legit heels? Because you know, it's all well and good. Some wrestlers, and this is okay. Some wrestlers just do one side of it so well, or they're just so naturally good at being a good guy or, or a bad guy. And it doesn't click as the other one. Like Randy Orton's a great example. We'll get to him later. He's just a natural heel. But as a face, he just comes out and says, come on, come on. And it just doesn't work. You yeah. know, and is, is it something similar with the street? I mean, I didn't pick that up. I didn't see what, you know, maybe that's what you, I was watching going, you know, it's fine. They're working the match. I didn't clock that like you did. Um, but then, yeah, as, as the chat's saying, as, as you're hinting at, it made the, the Street Profits and Lashley look like idiots. You know, oh, your third guy's not here. Ah, let's let's start the match. And then they're just working down the faces. Oh, the third guy's here. Oh, my God, it's Carlito, pal. It's Carlito. And then they lost it in, like, three minutes. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. and I want to say this. It's great to see Carlito. Love Carlito. Puerto Rican icon. Uh, one of the best wrestlers, or one of the most uh, notorious and most remembered wrestlers from the mid-2000s. Uh, he's back. You know, he had been signed with WWE for some time, like six months or so since Backlash, and they didn't know what to do with him. But here, they, they figured out a way to get him in there. And now the, the debut's done, the awkwardness is out of the way, now we got Carlito back in the fold as a full-time wrestler. We'll see where that goes. I'm not judging anything based on Carlito's run going off yeah. of this performance. Nothing really to do with this. It was what it was. They just got him out there. Um, I, I just, again, like, something felt off with this. This match was flat. It was kind of, I don't want to say boring, but it, it just, it didn't hit. It didn't hit. It didn't mm-hmm. click. Um, you know, Rey Mysterio's out there doing the best he can. Bobby Lashley's yeah. doing the best he can. It's nobody's fault, really. Montez Ford is great. I want to say this. Yeah. I want to speak to Paul Levesque and Nick Khan. Stop wasting Montez Ford. This guy is a legitimate uh, single star, a legitimate top flight babyface, if given the opportunity. I, I don't know what they're doing. I, I don't get it at this point. No, that's fair. I mean, for years now, like when did the Street Profits come in? Like three and a bit years ago, like 2020, they came up to the main roster. And it's been, it's been this ever since, really. You've thought, oh, when's Montez going to break out? When's he going to have that singles moment? He had a match with Roman Reigns like a year and a bit ago, I think. And everyone loved that. That was a great showcase that he can be like a star. But I mean, 
I have hopes that this Lashley group, I do. I think this could be excellent. If you, you make it a massive group, don't just have it be like a three-person thing. Get Trick Williams, get Melo Hayes, get Jade Cargill, get Bianca Belair. Make this like like V stable. This should crap on Judgment Day. This should be bigger, better, cooler. You know, just all of it. Uh, hopefully they, they go all in with it. No pun intended, pal, Tony Khan. But we'll see. We'll see. I, I think it's fair what you're saying as well. I agree. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I want to say this too about Carlito. Uh, the new theme music is nice, classic Puerto Rican salsa music. Love it. But the way I look at it is like, if if the old theme music isn't broke, like why fix it? I was just like, I want to hear Carlito's the old theme music. I don't know. It it was just a little thing, a little nitpick. Uh, I'm interested to see what Carlito does. All right, pal. Now, talk about this women's triple threat match: Charlotte versus Oscar versus Io Sky. Uh-huh. To be honest, this match bored me to absolute tears. I, I, I know people are gonna say this is a seven star match, great match, one of the best matches of the year. I get it, all fine and dandy. Um, no rhyme or reason for it. Uh, Eo Sky won, Bailey helped her, even though Eo Sky told her not to help. And then I guess we're gonna get some tension with Bailey and Eo Sky. Cool stories there, written on the wall. Clearly see it, but this is a real problem with with, uh, with WWE PLEs in twenty twenty three. Every show, seemingly, the momentum gets halted by a women's match. We saw it most, I guess the one that stuck out the most was SummerSlam with uh, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. That literally just stifled the entire momentum of the show. The show never picked up and the crowd was dead all the way up until the main event and even through the main event. It wasn't that bad on this show. It was shorter of a match, but... They got to figure something out. They got to figure out a way to make these women's matches more important. But Kevin, how do you think? Is it going? Is it stipulations? Because I mean, the talent's there. I mean, they're like these are these are great like female wrestlers, right? It's not like they're they're bums. Like we're not watching Michelle McCool versus Layla, right? Like they're, 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 these are actually like better talents, you know. So like, what can they do? Is it? Is it storylines related? Do you think it's the positioning on the show, how long the match goes? Like, if this match was 10 minutes short, this went for like 17, 18 minutes, and they gave them a good lengthy bit of time to put on a good match. Like, the star rating was probably... Like, Art will put in the chat, I'm sure this is like three and a half, four stars. Like, it's a good like match if you just look at it in isolation. But as a whole show, that's what you're saying. It, it, you know, it's like, can they do something different? Can they enhance this? We're not saying it's like bad. We're just saying this can be better. This can be really, you know, something, something can be done, surely, right? Yeah, I don't know what that something is. I don't know. I, I don't really know. They, they have, like, no, they just don't have a lot of characters with depth in mm. the women's division. Storyline is the obvious answer. Add a better story, but what do you do with story? I don't know. If you look at the bottom line and, and the the stats and the reality behind it, the women just don't draw as much as the male wrestlers do. Mm. So I don't know. It, it's a really uh, it's a tough area because you know you want to have a, a P or you can't. I'm sorry, you can't have a PLE in this climate, this day and age, without a women's match on it, because then everybody will freak out on the internet. Yeah, and people will talk like WWE stock is going to go through the like just into the basement through the toilet yeah. if they don't have a women's match. So. It's a tough, uh, like, road to navigate. I don't know what they could do. Kevin, I don't want to be overreacting here, but 
I mean, Becky Lynch was someone who just missed out on my top 50 and nearly, I think, similar with yours, just missed out on yours. Is it fair, or like nowadays, last couple of years particularly, she's either the only or one of the very few current women's wrestlers who's capable or consistently is involved in good stories or stories you can at least remember or just generally? Because I'm thinking with her, what makes her stuff different? Like the stuff against Tiffany Stratton, I could explain to you the story very clearly with that recently. Stuff with Trish, I could explain the story there. With Belair, I can explain the story. Most stuff Becky does. That, that's why, in my opinion, she's the best female wrestler of modern times. I, there's, there's stories, there's, there's memorable stuff. A lot of what we get now, like the story for this match, was literally Bailey and Charlotte had a promo segment two weeks ago, and Charlotte was like, oh, we're the four horsewomen. Oh, Bailey, you're taking a back seat to EO. <laughs> and then Asuka's there. I guess. And then EO's the champion. Cool. And that's the story. And Dakota Kai's there with the knee brace. And then they had a match. And then there was Bailey who was involved. That was literally what happened. I'm not even being a smart ass. That's literally the story. It's true. And that went 20 minutes. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to park it there. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's not really much we can say. Nothing really we could add. Uh, Pat McAfee mm-hmm. came out next. Uh, it was not his hometown, but where he played his NFL career with the Indianapolis Colts. He's yeah. back in his city, per se. Got the hometown boy reaction. They loved him out there in Indy. Uh, the only thing I really I have of note here is, first in England, at Money in the Bank, John Cena comes out and he's like, England deserves a WrestleMania. And then we get Pat McAfee here in Indiana, and he's coming out and he's saying, Indiana deserves a WrestleMania. What, what, what's going on? We're, we got first Cena openly lobbying for a country to get a WrestleMania, and then now Pat McAfee is lobbying for a city to get a, a WrestleMania. I, I'm confused. Well, Karen, I guess that's the the easiest carrot you can give the live crowd. You guys deserve a WrestleMania. Yeah! I guess. I mean, Kevin, this is AEW. Pat McAfee would come out. Nick Khan walk on the stage, say, you're fired. McAfee would have to trudge through and leave. And then Nick Khan would be doing the cha-cha slide in front of the Indianapolis faithful. If this is AEW, that's what they do with Sam Punk. The executives were dancing when he got fired. I don't know. Nonetheless, it was it was nice seeing McAfee. I, I like seeing him in, on TV. He, he was a, an amazing commentator. Like, McAfee's yes. commentary work was incredible. Like, I, I miss him on commentary so much. It was cool seeing him. That's all I'll say. Absolutely. Cool Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Art says, what's next? WrestleMania in Rihad, Saudi Arabia? Kevin, Yoko Zuna versus Steve Austin. How's the main event? Why not, pal? Hey, put Mr. Perfect out there, too, while we're at it. Pal. Ultimate Warrior vs. Rick Rude, main event. Yeah, Steel Cage match, pal. Pal, pal, Andre the Giant vs. Terry Boyer, pal. One last time, run it back. Oh my god. Alright, pal. So now is really the match of the night. The highlight of the night. The highest point of the night. John Cena and LA Knight versus Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. Talk to me, pal. Kevin, I like that this. Now, we'll get to this. Next up, so you posted a video yesterday regarding John Cena, which is doing great views. Check it out if you haven't, regarding John Cena and why he, he, it was good he never turned heel. Cena's coming out. Kevin, if you're playing a drinking game for the words greatest of all time during this, like, 25-minute block, you'd be passed out in the hospital. Yes. This was ridiculous. Yeah. I know, Michael, I know it's, a, it's an MO of commentary to say Cena's the greatest of all time because you can't say Hogan is because Hogan's racist and he's evil. You can't say Steve Austin because of things you've mentioned on your channel. 
The, the Rock doesn't care to show up, so he's not the greatest. You can't say Ric Flair. There's too much scandal there. And I guess Undertaker has political opinions, so it can't be him either. So Cena's the greatest of all time, um, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. And we, we got told that about 45 times. You know, you may think Cena's the goat. He's a, he's a definite case, as we'll get to in about a week and a bit from now, with our top wrestlers of all time. But, my God. Um, nonetheless, that aside, this was fun. You know, yeah. I, I'm coming around to LA Knight more and more. Like, I know a few months ago, I was a bit like, you know, Knight, cool. He's, he's a good, like, lower car guy. He's getting reactions. Cool. But seeing how they worked this match, Cena was this, like, old dude getting beat up. He's got his bald spot. He's crying. He's, like, on the ground. You got these Samoans ruthlessly beating the piss out of John Felix Anthony Cena. And then LA Knight, yeah, gets the hot tag. LA, I don't know, his he's, like, build, his physique, how he carries himself, how he engages the crowd, it is just good. It, it just works. It, it works for just wrestling, generally. Um, so, Kevin, I'll ask you, pal, what were your ruthless thoughts? Did you have a favorite part of this match, pal? Did you enjoy Paul Heyman calling Roman Reigns on the phone, pal? I want to, I'm going to answer your question. I want to say this. You forgot one fatal flaw in John Cena's uh, character that we can't mention or else our channel will get flagged. But there is, there is one <laughs> fatal flaw on Cena's character that might disqualify him from the GOAT case. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know who we'll be left with then. We can't have Shawn Michaels in the GOAT case because he fornicated people's wives 25 years ago. So, I, I, I don't know. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I, I digress. My favorite part of the match what was honestly... Was the way that Pat McAfee was roasting Paul Heyman. Like, I don't know if that's my favorite part of the match, but that was fun. And, and I don't know if Paul Heyman's like doing that on purpose, coming out with the white hair. He just he looks he looks different. Like like Pat McAfee said, he's aging in presidential years, pal. Uh, so yeah. I'm gonna just go off my notes here. I'm gonna read them rapid fire. First thing I had, John Cena's entrance is iconic. One of the best entrances of all time. It's so nice to see him have an entrance and the entire crowd is behind him. This is the desired reaction that WWE wanted for all those years. And now we're getting it. And it's just great to see. Give the goat his flowers, pal. Um, LA Knight is a bona fide stud. It's just, that's just, it is what it is at this point. Like we had talked about it, what, three, four months ago. We were like, is LA Knight a main eventer? Can he sustain it? And I think he showed now that he can sustain it. And on that point, the way WWE built this match, the way they did it, I think was intentional to test how over LA Knight is. Where they, they did the basic like 1980s NWA South wrestling tag team match. Where you got Cena getting beat up, you got the heels cheating, you got LA Knight arguing with the referee. You know, yeah. Cena's doing the, ah, so close, so close, yeah. Can I, can't tag him. You know, it was that went for what, like ten minutes, whatever it was. Yeah. Just seeing it getting beat up, barely missing tags. They're doing all that to test to see if LA Knight is actually a big star and the, and the crowd will actually respond to him. I I think it would have been a bad look if the crowd had gotten bored with this match. But as yeah. soon as LA Knight got the tag, it was crazy. The roof blew off the building. It was hot. LA Knight came in. The match got rolling. And it got off to a good start. Or I'm I'm sorry, it got off to a, like a good pace or whatever at that point. And the baby faces get the win. As we expected, uh, Roman's going to be mad next week when he returns. And I want to ask you this. What do you think about LA Knight showing up in a meat stick car? Phenomenal. Pal, that is how you work a sponsorship. That is better than Xavier Woods ordering breadsticks and, and garlic bread and pizza with Booker T and Wade Barrett. That, that's better than 
whatever they did at SummerSlam with The Miz, that trash. Kevin, that's how you own a sponsorship. I bet Slim Jim, they're watching that going, yeah. Oh, my God. That's great. Yeah. Oh, we, we forgot to talk about how uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves, they had Pizza Hut delivered to them in the middle of the show. That was the green. I just want to say that. We don't need to talk about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I got to talk about this backstage segment with Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley uh-huh. and the Judgment Day. This is what we're talking about here, right? We're, I told you we would hold off on talking about Rhea Ripley being the leader of the Judgment yeah. Day. Yeah. So, I thought it was ludicrous, the way that this segment was booked. The way that Damian Priest has been booked since winning uh, Mr. Money in the Bank, becoming Mr. Money in the uh, Bank. Rhea Ripley's just like, here, give me the briefcase. Give it to me. Like, it makes Priest look like a punk, you know? Like, it's not even about it being a woman or anything like that. Don't take it the wrong way. But it's like, Rhea Ripley here is punking out Damian Priest, telling him, no, no, you're not cashing in. Like, what is that? You know? This is your Money in the Bank briefcase holder. This is a guy that, like, in theory, he should be trying to be world champion. And he's just, like, handing the briefcase over to Rhea Ripley. Because she said, give me the briefcase. Like, I don't get it. Kevin, was do you think that's their way, and we'll get to the ending of the main event in a moment, do you think that's their way of justifying another ending with Rollins not even being able to stand up, being physically decrepit, beaten, mist in his face, he can barely say the world champions, are, he's a sitting duck ready to lose, and there's just no cash in. Do you think that was their way of just trying to justify that? Because yeah. for a second straight show, I watched that main event, as we'll get to in a minute, I'm like, this is a joke. Like, like Priest... This priest not even coming out at all makes this whole thing seem ridiculous. Like if I'm if I'm priest in in kayfabe, I'm saying get stuffed, mummy. I'm cashing in on this guy. He can't stand up. He's he needs a wheelchair. Anyway, carry on. Okay. Yeah, and, and like okay, Rhea Ripley's the leader of the Judgment Day. Can we expand on this storyline? Like, what does she have over Damian Priest? That Damian mm. Priest is just sitting there taking that disrespect and taking that that order, you know. What, what, I want to know that. Can we expand on that? Can we that be explained to us? That, like, what does Rhea Ripley have on him? Or why do they love her so much? Why do they respect her so much? Why do they listen to her? We don't really know that. I don't mm. know. I, I'm kind of over the Judgment Day at this point. I, I think it's time for them to go. We got we got enough factions in WWE right now. Yeah. I, I think it's time for them to disband and for them to go do their own thing. Well... I think it's going to drag out at least another six weeks to war games. Yeah. And maybe something actually happens there. But I, I agree. I, I don't think it needs to go entirely. I think that they need something. Like they did it a year ago where, you know, Balor replaced Edge and they changed the whole dynamic of everything. And like that, that kept it fresh. But now, I mean, why, why is Priest being emasculated? I get it. Dom, he's like a simp for Rhea Ripley. That's right. been the thing for Revan. But that makes sense. Fergal's Fergal. He's a five foot four skinny Irishman. I get that. Sure, JD McDonough, he's literally there to get slammed into announce tables. He's just a punk. He's there to get thrown around. Priest is like a six foot six primal gladiator. Tattoos. He's like a cool, like, you know, Latino man. Like, wh- why is he, that's how he's portrayed. Why is he getting like, oh, yes, mummy. Okay. I won't cash in, even though the world champion can't walk. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so, I get it. That's yeah. cool. Priest is being kicked out. I get it. Everybody's blowing that up in the chat. Cool. 
But I don't I don't want to see a Judgment Day with just Rhea Ripley, Fergal, and Dominic. The only reason I'm interested in Judgment Day is because of Damian Priest. If Damian Priest gets kicked out, I like there's no business for that to be there anymore. Like, okay, cool. It's Judgment Day. Love it. Um, it's just not for me. That's the bottom line. It's just not for me. So, Pat, you wouldn't want to say stable with Mame is the leader, Simp Dom, and then Rhea Ripley's Irish friends, Fergie, McDonough, and whoever they pull out of NXT. Yeah, no, I would not want to see that. That is exactly what I'm telling you, pal. Fair enough. Let's move on. Yes, sir. All right, main event time. Seth Rollins versus Nakamura. Uh, this match was better than their payback match. That goes without mm-hmm. being said, but... What, what did you think about the match? Any, any analysis? Any critical thoughts, pal? So, building on what we said before, I'm watching this match. Rollins, right away from the jump, the whole thing is he, can, he can't stand up straight, let alone barely hit moves. For the second half of the match, the only reason he didn't lose, the only reason he could beat counts, was he'd have to, like, roll out of the ring. His, he'd land on his feet and technically be standing. That's how Rollins didn't lose the match. So, I like the story in that regard. Um, match was fine. I was I was entertained, pal. Uh, I wasn't falling asleep, which was good. Uh, the Nakamura dive off the top rope, like with the knees through the table on to Roland, that was cool. The, the miss stuff was cool. Michael Cole, I want to say, he was in his bag. This was some Michael Cole's best commentary all year. This match, you, you could see Cole, especially during that ladder spot with the miss. Cole, because the commentary, like the positions being shown on the camera. Cole screaming. Seth Rollins is like on the ground, like two feet from him. Michael Cole's yelling in his face, "Stay down, Seth!" Stays like screaming at him. And then, like the best part I found is Cole looks at Corey Graves and goes, "Corey, you've known Seth for ten years. Tell him to stay down. Tell him to stop." And Corey clearly no thought to say. He was like, "Cole, Cole, I don't know what to tell him. I don't know what to say to Seth. He he's possessed Seth Rollins." Nakamura's out of control! And then Nakamura spat the mist and they were screaming. Like, commentary was legitimately entertaining. That was my favorite part of the match. That stood out to me. Uh, but the fact that Rollins didn't even have a cash in attempt or anyone come out or anything, no stretcher, no shocking ending. He just he just won the match on the outside in the uh, you know, in the crowd. And the show ends with him just holding the title again. I guess. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, okay. I, I thought the match was good. I'd say like a four star, four and a quarter. It's a good match. Um, I, I'm pretty, I'm like a, a pretty good fan of like a last man standing match. I would say I'm an avid enthusiast, avid enjoyer of the last man standing stipulation. But what, what do you think about it? Are you a last man standing match guy? Well, the most recent ones I've done, I've quite liked. I thought Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam last year was phenomenal. I thought this was quite good. I think it's 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 a hard match to do poorly. You catch my drift, Kevin? Like, it's a hard match to have a dud, right? Like, there's certain stipulations, which, like, I think, for instance, like a chain match. I, I hate that stipulation, personally. Like, where the wrestlers are chained to each other and you can only do, like, two different spots with a chain. This, there's so many possibilities. There's so many unique things you can do. Really creative spots. You can do things that are pretty nuts and then the wrestler can... Get one foot, and then they're leaning on the barricade, and then the match continues because they're technically standing. Like, there's more wiggle room with this, so you know, I quite like the situation personally. Yeah, I do too. And yeah, I know like Priest was injured, but still, like, okay, he injured his knee. He's saying in the backstage segment that he wants to cash in, he wants to try to win the title, and he's just saying no because, or he's just staying back there because Rhea said no. So, I don't know. Interesting. It is what it is. 
Um, I guess that's a good cover up for the whole Damian Priest thing. Okay, he's injured. Can't go out there. He can't cash in. Like he wants to be healthy as champion. Yeah, they gotta buy time. They're waiting for Bad Bunny to come in so we can get Priest versus Bad Bunny. Um, now, Wait, do you think that's gonna be for the title or not for the title? I think it'll be for the title. Yeah, they're, they're gonna find a way to get the title on on Priest. You know, they'll do something. I don't know when that's gonna happen. Maybe WrestleMania. I assume Bad Bunny's not coming in. I don't think he's coming in for anything other than WrestleMania or SummerSlam at this point. So, I don't know. We can fantasy book that later on. I want to talk more about this match, though. Okay. The Rollins-Nakamura match, it felt like... um, I don't know. It felt like they were kind of going through the motions, for lack of a better term. Like, they were just playing all the hits. It's like when you go to, like... I don't know. Like It's like if you go to see, I don't know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, and they play the hits. They play Californication and... You know, under the bridge and all their songs, they just do it, and everybody goes, "I'm happy." That's kind of what we got here. We got a table spot, we got the ladder spot, we got the announced death spot, we got the spot in the crowd, and that was it. Everybody went home. Everybody went home happy. Everybody went home singing Seth Rollins' theme song. Like I think the match kind of accomplished what it was sent out to do. I don't think it needed to be much more than this, really. I I don't know if it could have been much more than this. Kevin, I'll ask you this, and if, Chad, if you think I'm overreacting, yes, also, we know Gunther, like, and Kevin, I'll, actually, I'll challenge you on that first. With this world title thing with Seth Rollins, the story is he's limping through pay-per-views. Like, yeah. he's hobbled his way through the last two. Against Balor, he barely escaped the Judgment Day. He nearly got injured during those matches. He fluked wins against Balor. Now he's barely surviving. He can barely walk. Do you think, look, Gunther's just going to squash him. Like, I mean, that's, that's where I think they're going. I think Gunther will squash him at WrestleMania or before then and win the title. That's what I think they're going to do. Yeah, I think so. it's going to be like a five-minute decimation. But... Well, so Gunther wins the Royal Rumble? I mean, it's nine, he came runner-up last year. I can see them doing it. Gunther yeah. just wins the Rumble next year. That's I can, I can see it. Yeah, or Punk, your boy uh, Phil Brooks. Get Rollins oh, versus Punk at WrestleMania. I don't know. We're, go, we're, we're going way that. off the rails. We're going way off the rails. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, why else would Priest be Mr. Money? The, why else would Priest be Mr. Money in the Bank if they're not going to do a bad bunny match? Like, I, I don't know. I don't see why else he's Money in the Bank. Like, he he's not really a, a top star, you know, for being real about it. Mm. He's already 40. So, I don't know. I, I That's the only thing I could see them doing. Like, unless Priest is just going to hold the briefcase and not cash in and just have it expire or a failed cash in. Well, Kevin, if I'm being honest, well, right now, I mean, this yeah. can change. I've seen Priest being money in the bank. It's like a prop for the, the main act on Raw to continue keeping them somewhat fresh. Yeah. And that's what's been at SummerSlam. It, it was tonight. They had the backstage segment. It can be a thing for Priest to leave the group, I guess. Yeah. I don't, I don't see, I mean, if Priest cashes in, has a legendary run and beats Bad Bunny in the main event at SummerSlam next year, then I mean, hats off to you, pal. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't envision. I picture him failing a cash in somehow. Like, yeah. That's how I do. That's the only so. other thing it could be—a failed cash in. Like, I, I don't see Priest winning the title and going into WrestleMania as champion. I, I just don't. I don't see that. Or SummerSlam mm-hmm. or any big pay per view. I, I just don't see that in in the cards. Like, I, I don't see yeah. Priest versus Gunther being a, a night one or night two main event for WrestleMania 40. I, I don't know. Yeah. That's just me, pal. All right, go ahead. Yeah, get us back on the rails for a second. I want to make one more point to kind of wrap up Fastlane, sort of, and then you can, Kevin, say whatever you want to as well after this. Yeah. I'm happy Survivor Series. Oh, well, they're building towards Crown Jewel now. They're doing a Saudi show on November 
four, I think, in like three, three, yeah. four weeks. But I'm generally happy Survivor Series is going to start to become the main focus because I feel like WWE, the momentum they had going, Elimination Chamber this year, WrestleMania, Backlash, it felt like an oil rolling machine. Yeah. And not to say that it's not bad, don't misinterpret what I'm saying, but I feel like the steam it was like flying away with yeah. in those earlier months, these recent shows, SummerSlam ended up falling flat, I believe. Payback was a fine event, yeah. a couple of good, ma- a fine street fight, a good Becky match, but the ending was flat. This show was a fine event, some good matches, but nothing that really makes you go, damn, Kevin, get the popcorn, tell everyone down the street, tell the neighbor, seven houses down there, to get in here right now and watch this match right now. You know, it was just a, a good show. So I'm hoping yeah. WWE, now Roman's going to appear on SmackDown, Triple H is going to be on SmackDown, CM Punk, pal, may well be coming in, pal, Jay Cogle to debut. They're going to do a new storyline. It's not Rollins and Nakamura, hopefully. Maybe the Judgment Day are going to split up, amping up into Survivor Series. I'm hoping now we can really transition and get back to like kind of the big stuff, the real meat on the bone content. Maybe I'm so wrong with my assessment. Chat, let me know. Kevin, what do you think? Uh, uh, pal, I don't know. Yeah, can you repeat the question? Can you repeat that again? Do you think WWE has lost some of the momentum with regards to how they were going earlier in the year where it was right, like right. Elimination Chamber, yeah. Screaming Crowd Montreal going nuts, Backlash Crowd going nuts, Legendary Show, WrestleMania was great, and now they're sort of just ticking over filler shows? Yeah, I don't want to say they've lost their momentum because they'll pick it back up once Roman comes back. You know, everything's in place. You got Roman, you got Punk, you got Orton. The momentum's going to come back and they'll just keep going and roll right into yeah. WrestleMania season. This is literally yeah. the off season, you know. That's all this yeah. is. It's a dead season for WWE. Um, yeah. The intrigue is not at, at its peak. Uh, I thought yeah. Fastlane for what it was was a fine show. Like, yeah. I don't know. I give it like a C plus, B minus. It, it was fine overall. So what do you think? Any final grades? Any final thoughts? I agree. I'd give it solid six and a half. Solid maybe seven. Yeah, it was a fine show. I mean, the women's match dragged a bit. There was, what, five matches? Like it, it wasn't a show, thankfully, that was like 15 matches long. <clears throat> AW. <laughs> you know, it just... What you see is what you get. Solid show. Guess, guess the way they need to go. And we're going to roll into Survivor Series, pal. Roman Reigns is going to show up. Woohoo! The world champion of the company is going to appear. Wow. Oh, wow. Kevin. Kevin, just to remind you, just to make this nice and clear, Cody Rhodes... Appears main events, seven live events a week. Doesn't see his children. Doesn't see his wife, Brandy. Giving his all. Getting monstrous reactions. Yep. Then you got Roman Reigns. This is his third month to two months hiatus in 2023 alone. Haven't seen him since August, what was it, August 5th? Over two months since the Raw after SummerSlam. Hopefully, Giant the Wise enjoying being a babysitting auntie. That's all he is now. He's a babysitting auntie with a few WWE props laid across his couch. That's all Joanna Y is. And he's going to come back on SmackDown, further a storyline that doesn't need the titles one bit. And that's going to be great. It's going to be cinema. Nothing against it. But Cody should have been champion for six months. And everyone knows I'm right. Always was right. Always will be right. Thank you. Over to you, Kevin. Yeah. Cinema, pal. All right. I, I, I think we've, uh, we've said everything we could say about Fastlane. Yeah. Pal. But let's get, it, let's get into it. Mm-hmm. We got to continue our greatest wrestlers of all yeah. time our top 50 wrestlers of all time list mm-hmm. this week we're doing numbers 20 through 11 
Uh-huh. We're, we're finishing the story, if you will, pal. Now, I, I gotta just mention this. I gotta rewind back to, to yeah. last, uh, the last edition mm-hmm. of this. You went out, you, you put a, uh, a character, a, a performer, a wrestler, as you say it, at number 29 on your list of the 50 greatest wrestlers of all time. Yep. You put Mr. McMahon. Yep. The chairman and CEO of the WWE on your top 50 greatest wrestlers of all time list, pal. And yep. you received a little bit of scrutiny uh, from some of our listeners. You know, you got into some heated yeah. debates, pal. Um, yeah. I, I just, anything you want to say about that? I just can't believe that Vince McMahon look, cracked your, your top 30 of all time. Look, I'm just going to double down with my stance on that. And it, it, it's a two-part argument. One... Who was the key figure alongside Austin in the storyline that saved WWE? If that wasn't going on, we wouldn't be watching WWE today. We'd be watching God knows what we'd be watching. And some would say that was a on-screen character. That Vince wasn't a wrestler. He was an on-screen persona. Everyone's an on-screen persona. We're watching a screen. Vince McMahon's on it. He was a WWE champion. He wrestled matches, pal. Kevin, one of the most significant matches... The Attitude Era, Vince McMahon was wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin, and one hand, one hand was tied behind his back, pal. He's been involved in very, some of the most significant things. Kevin, I remember when we were doing WrestleMania 17 versus 19, and you said which match was used to build WrestleMania 19. What was the match that was WrestleMania 19 was built around? Oh, it was uh, Hulk Hogan and Mr. McMahon. That, that's the second greatest WrestleMania of all time. And Vince McMahon's wrestling match, r- keyword wrestling match, which he had to train for, which he had to ply his trade to understand, that was the match that built that show up. Kevin, what was on the co-main events of WrestleMania 17? Uh, Triple H versus The Undertaker. Yep. List another one. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. Vince McMahon versus Shane McMahon, pal. The legendary match, which Vince McMahon, the wrestler, built up infamously through a Bark Like a Dog segment. That's separate. We're not going to get into that. You've made a video on that. No comment. That was a big-time co-main event wrestling match of one of the biggest, the biggest show in many people's lives ever, WrestleMania 17. WrestleMania 22, he wrestled Shawn Michaels. It was a match that people still remember fondly. It's, It's Vince McMahon. It's still a great match. Vince it was a wrestler. He wrestled ma- significant matches. You know, I get it if it was like a one-off thing. He only wrestled one match in his career. He's wrestled significant matches across multiple time frames. Attitude Era, Ruth's Aggression Era. Pal, Vince McMahon wrestled CM Punk on a Raw in 2012. Oh, but Vince McMahon didn't, he didn't ply his trade and learn how to wrestle. Vince McMahon was sat there watching his father run the promotion in the 60s and 70s, watching wrestlers, practicing wrestling, learning holds, all of it. So the fact that he's not being he's being disqualified because he's an on-screen persona because he cut more promos as a heel than he wrestled matches, he's disqualified. What what what's the what's the matches per career calculation? Is there an unwritten rule that the chat knows that I don't that you wrestle two point five matches per year over a course of a next one? No, this isn't algebra. Vince McMahon is a top thirty wrestler of all time. Thank you. Rant over. Yeah, and I, I can't believe you got Kevin Nash at 25, too. That that was another one that me and some of the listeners uh, took exception to. I don't need you I to... I can't believe you put Bob Backlund in the list. You put Rey Mysterio so low. 
Kevin, what's one thing? Tell us about Bob Backlund. He had a match with Bret Hart in the 1993. Great. What else? Bob, what's he done? Bob Backlund is one of the longest reigning WWF champions. What's Bob Backlund's character? What made um, Bob Backlund unique? How Bob, ba Bob, Bob Backlund's character is that he was making Darren Young great again. That's his character, pal. Bob Backlund anyway. did a cross-faced chicken wing, pal, to Bret the Hitman Hart in the mid-90s and created memories for wrestling fans older than us. All right, pal? Damn it. Bob Backlund is a legend. People know okay, Bob and, Backlund. And, and, like, I'm getting, I get back by saying Kevin Nash, the guy who was, like, he was a WWE champion for a year. Granted, the company was about to go out of business in WWE. And then he was, like, the fundamental outside of Hogan member of the NWO. Don't know if you've heard of that group, the greatest group ever. Never. I'm getting stick for that because yep. he was 25. Mm -hmm. Bob Backlund, who you don't even know what his character is. He was known for being a transitional champion, as you said, your reasoning. No, and then he, no, he had a match no. He, gave, he gave birth to the transitional champion by giving the belts to Iron Sheik. He, he created the transitional champion. He was not a transitional champion. He was a long-standing top draw. Pal, let's let's. Well, then, is Pedro Morales on your list? He held the belt for like four years. Pal, pal, Pedro Morales just barely missed my list. He's top sixty-five. Okay, all right, but let's get to it. Let's do this now. Let's do this thing, pal. Oh, this is this is ridiculous. Top anyway. twenty professional wrestlers of all time. This is an objective, correct list here. Uh -huh. I'm gonna go twenty through eleven. I'm gonna go through mine real quick. At number twenty, I have a man who is uh, one of the greatest of all time, a, a member of one of the greatest factions of all time, is a, a fa a, the father of a ton of viral moments, okay? One of the most synonymous memes just in the history of pro wrestling, in the history of wrestling and culture. The guy that is notorious for not trying for years at a time, and still being better than 75% of the locker room at what he does. This, this is a guy here, Randy Orton, number 20. The man that owns the greatest finisher of all time, the RKO. Wow. Okay. Just, come on, it's the RKO. This guy, he, I mean, he could do it all. You know, he's had incredible moments, incredible matches. Uh, the biggest knock on him, really, and the thing that I think holds him back, in my opinion, for being in the top... 15 top 10 is the lack of a wrestlemania resume he doesn't really have a big time wrestlemania match he's had good wrestlemania matches you know with with cm punk that's one that that's like it was a good match with seth rollins it was a good match with undertaker it was a good match but you know undertaker's had better matches and that match is a little bit further down in the pecking order of all-time classic undertaker wrestlemania matches so Orton never really had it. He had an opportunity to have that match with Triple H at WrestleMania 25. It didn't happen. But everything Orton's done, I mean, he, he's a, a big-time star. Everybody knows him. He's a mainstream star. He's one of the most recognizable wrestlers. He's got to be here on this list. Then at number 19, I have Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper laid the blueprint for what a wrestling heel is nowadays. Don Moxley, CM Punk, Brian Pillman, The Miz, all these guys... Got their stick from Roddy Piper. In terms of the character work and the show, the, the Piper's Pit. Without the Piper's Pit, there's no highlight reel. There's no Miz TV. There's no, whatever, the cutting edge. None of those shows exist without Roddy Piper. And I have Roddy Piper and Orton like right after each other for this reason. Um, 
I think Roddy Piper, if he existed in the modern day WWE in the last uh, the last twenty years, what we've seen, I think Roddy Piper would have had a resume similar to Randy Orton. You know, Roddy Piper did never won a world title mainly because of the times that he was in. You know, he was in WWE for what, like three years at his peak, and what he did was, man, I mean, he made more of an impact in those three years. The Piper's Pit, the promos, smashing a coconut on Jimmy Snooker's head, than anyone did. And I think if he was around like 05, 06, to the 2010s, I think Roddy Piper would have a resume similar to Orton. Royal Rumble wins, heavyweight championship wins, all that. Uh, number 18, I have your favorite wrestler, pal. The guy that you think is the GOAT. The leader of the bloodline, the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Roman Reigns. So if we had done this list maybe a year ago, I would have had Roman like number twenty-eight, number twenty-seven, you know, something like that. Two years ago, he would probably have been in my th- top thirty somewhere. But Roman's really jumped up in the rankings. Just what he's done, being the face of SmackDown, carrying SmackDown, uh, carrying this bloodline faction, being the biggest draw that WWE's seen. Like he's at a level now where when you look at the top draws in wrestling, it, it goes, you know, Bruno, Hogan, Austin, Rock, Cena, and now Roman. Roman is on that list now, one of the six biggest draws. And that accounts for something. I, I think I'd say by the time Roman's career is up, I'd say he's gonna be top ten. I, I think that's fair to say, right? Like at some point he's gonna get there. He's gonna have another big time WrestleMania match. He's gonna have more moments, just more storylines. Everything's gonna add up for him, and Roman's gonna hit that level. Um, what holds him back is just we've already spoken about it at length. The, the the like borderline awful run that he had from 2015 to 19, where he was just getting booed out of the building, or 2015 to 18, I should say, he's just getting booed out of the building and forced down people's throats. The bad promos, you guys know it. So number 17, I have a guy that that you that you uh you ranked. Uh, what where'd you have where'd you have uh, Eddie Guerrero? Where did you have him? I had him 33. 33. Actually, he should have been lower, but anyway, carry on. Yeah, I guess, yeah. So I got him at 17. So here, so here's the case for Eddie Guerrero. Some people may say it's too high, some people say it's too low. Here's the case for Eddie. Eddie is a pioneer and and a guy that he did, what he did for the wrestling business, I just got him in the same class as like a Chris Jericho. You know, he and Chris Jericho took that same route where they went, out to Japan, they went to the Indies, they went to ECW, and they created a blueprint for what we saw basically become the norm in pro wrestling. And then on top of that, what what Eddie did at WWE, his what five year run there, incredible. He left more of an impact than on just about anybody in that short of a time. And <clears throat> like you look at Punk, right? CM Punk had a two year peak. Eddie had a two year peak. Oh four, oh five. Eddie's two-year peak is just way more significant than the guy like Punk's or a guy like Ultimate Warrior's two-year peak. You know, Eddie had one of the greatest moments in wrestling history when he won the WWE Championship. That's one that's gonna be remembered fondly for years and years to come. Uh, the WrestleMania 20 moment, you know, that would be looked at so differently if the if circumstances were different. You know, it's just unfortunate that moment can't be looked at fairly. Um, and then you know, 05 iconic. Feud with uh, Rey Mysterio, something that's still being talked about. I mean, the the guy lives forever. He's relevant in culture. Um, you know, the one thing he did too was just being a a Hispanic, a, a Latino figure. Before him, there really wasn't a top Latino star in wrestling. There there wasn't. He was just a guy that like he he like people like me, 
like, I didn't have, like, a lot of Latino people to look at on TV. And Eddie was one of those figures that I grew up watching. It was like, wow, okay. You know, being Latino myself, it's like, oh, okay, this guy, like, showed me that, that hey, I could be anything, you know? Uh, because yeah. Eddie Grove did it. And the, the merchandise, um, just so many things he did. I, I, you know, we're not going to go back and forth on this one. Yeah. Um, one of the greatest in-ring performers ever, too. Then, number 16. So, I had this guy. I had him two places higher. Up until last Sunday. I think I know where you're going. No. Oh, no. I know where you're going with this. Go so, on. I have Adam Copeland, formerly known as Edge, number 16. I had him at 14. And then when I saw him show up at WrestleDream, bumped him down two spots. So, this is a guy in Edge, right? Edge has done it all. Um, two, 2000s wrestling. Edge is just synonymous with, with 2000s wrestling. Okay? He is. He just is. The live sex celebration, um, the, the cash-ins, the promos, the matches, the, the TLC matches in the early 2000s. He's, he's one half of the greatest tag team of all time. Arguably the greatest tag team of all time. He's done it all. You know? Multiple-time world champion, bloated resume, not to the extent of Randy Orton, and he, Edge had more significant uh, title feuds, matches, I, I think, than Orton overall. Um, Edge really helped boost John Cena. John Cena couldn't be the John Cena that he is now without a heel like Edge to get him to that level as a babyface. Edge deserves a ton of credit in that regard as well. He's just so recognizable. It's just, I, I Edge is just a top 20 guy, you know, borderline top 15. Um, I have him, Eddie, and I have the next guy, Chris Jericho. I have them all ranked in the same class. Um, Chris Jericho at 15. I look at Chris Jericho. I think Chris Jericho, if we had done this list like four years ago, Jericho probably would have been like 12th, 11th. I think he's hurt his legacy a little bit by going to AEW. I I, I mean, it's just not a good look when you got people that are like average everyday wrestling fans, or not even average wrestling fans, just average people that are like, Oh, NBA Twitter. Yeah, NBA, NBA Twitter. Twitter. Like, oh, it's Chris Jericho. Oh, what is that guy doing? He's like 59 wrestling and like, what is his AEW thing? Like, that's just not a great look for one of the greatest of all time. And, and, and it kind of exposed him for his star power. When he goes to AEW, it's like, okay, this guy is not quite big enough to be the face of a company from a mainstream perspective. Yeah, but everything that Chris Jericho's done, I mean, he's definitely worthy of being in consideration for like a top 10, you know? Multiple-time Intercontinental Champion, multiple-time World Champion, great fuse with Shawn Michaels, Triple H, so on and so forth. Stuff he did with Kevin Owens. Uh, the guy, the master of in, uh, reinvention. He always changed his character. He always did things to stay relevant. Constant catchphrases, um, an iconic entrance. He, I mean, that he's done so much. Just in WWE alone, he's done so much. Not even to mention his WCW stuff, the ECW stuff. Um, you know, New Japan stuff. Finally had a five-star match with Kenny Omega. All right, pal. Number 14. Kurt Angle. Um, yeah, Kurt Angle. I-, I flip-flopped Kurt Angle and Edge. I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, Kurt Angle's better all time than, than Edge. We've got Kurt Angle in the same spot. I love Aaron. it. I love that. Yeah. Kurt Angle. Uh, yeah, come on, bro. It's Kurt Angle. You know? But what else do I need to say? Uh, a guy, he had the greatest rookie year, arguably, in, in wrestling history. You could argue it. Uh, one of the best technical wrestlers, right up there with, like, Bret Hart, Daniel Bryan, uh, at the very top of the list. You know, what he did in TNA, 
doesn't really factor in here. I just just based on his WWE run, it was what like seven years, and those seven years were crazy. He was oh. at, he came in in the Attitude Era and went straight to the top. And you had Austin, Rock, Triple H, Undertaker, Mick Foley, all these established guys. Credible comes in in the middle of that and just goes straight to the top, becomes WWE champion within like a year, beats The Rock, crazy, uh, unheard of. Main events WrestleMania against Brock has a big WrestleMania match against Eddie Guerrero. Uh, another big WrestleMania match, one of the, like, I'd say five or six greatest matches of all time with Shawn Michaels. That right there is worthy enough of putting you in the, in the top, yeah. like, echelon of wrestling. He could do it yeah. all. Literally, he could do comedy, he could talk, he could act, he could be serious, he could be crazy. Uh, and now, he has so many moments that go viral now. There's, like, at least a million current angle clips that go viral. Just him on perks going crazy, screaming at Randy Orton, whatever. He's a legend. Come on. Uh, 13, Andre the Giant. Uh, this guy was the face of, of the WWE before Hogan got there. He was like, not even the face of WWE, the face of wrestling, really, before Hogan and Flair. Like in that 70s period. Andre the Giant, uh, WrestleMania 3, the body slam, that, that storyline. Without that, who knows where wrestling would be right now, honestly. Like, who knows what wrestling would be if it even would have became a thing, if we even would have a Monday Night War. It wasn't for that WrestleMania 3 match and moment. That's arguably the most important match in wrestling history. That Andre the Giant Hulk Hogan match. Like, he's such a draw. People still talk about him. They're making documentaries about him. Some might say I have Andre too high. I don't know. I, I don't think so. I, I think Andre is one of those guys that's just without him, there is no wrestling. I think those guys deserve respect. Uh-huh. Uh, number 12, I have the CCO of WWE. Oh, okay. The CCO, the Chief Content Officer, Paul Levesque. Wow. H, wow. I almost, wow. Put him, I almost put him in my top 10. I flirted with it. I, I thought about it. I wanted wow. to have him in my top 10. I, I took him out after a little, little wow. consideration. Um, I mean, this guy, he's what? He's one of the most like five or six recognizable wrestlers alive right now. Everybody wow. knows Triple H, you know? Everything That's he does player. is big time. Yeah, that's big from you. That's big. That's a big placement for Paul Levesque. That's interesting. Oh, is that too high? You think? We'll get there. We'll, we'll cross uh, that bridge and we'll get there. This should be interesting. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> this guy is what he was on top for what, like, fifteen years, just about. And it, bro, how many people did Triple H put over and make them big stars? I get it. He buried Booker T. I get it. I, I understand that fatal flaw in his in his resume. His legacy, the Katie Vick thing, not great either. But he put over Benoit, WrestleMania 20. Batista, 21. Cena, 22. Then did this, then 10 years later, came, like, not like, not came back, but stayed around, stayed relevant, stayed on the top, and made Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 30. The guy lasted for generations. Everything he did was important. Every time he was on screen, it was believable. Looks like a wrestler, acts like one. He's won what, like 13 world championships, 14 world championships. One of the greatest of all time. One of the greatest characters of all time. All the stuff with DX, Click, big matches with The Rock at SummerSlam, Big Foley, Royal Rumble 2000, so on and so forth. SummerSlam 02, a top 10, top 15 match of all time, in my opinion. Done it. Number 11. You're going to like this one, pal. I have the Beast, Brock Lesnar. This guy. I do too. 
I do too at 11, yeah. 11. Same. Yeah, this guy yeah. owns SummerSlam. He's Mr. SummerSlam. Uh, he was supposed to be the next big thing and was supposed to be the face of WWE post-Austin Rock. Didn't work out that way. He hated the travel. Um, off of what he did just from 02 to 04 alone, he would be in, in the top 50. You know, if he never came back and had that second run, he'd probably be like, you know, like, you know, 51, 49, 48, something like that. He comes back after being the most dominant rookie in the history of wrestling, being a, an instant top guy, an instant top draw, instant champion. He comes back nearly a decade later after leaving and just goes on to have like a Shawn Michaels-like second half of his career, arguably more dominant and better than Shawn Michaels' second half, we could argue. Um, great matches. He ended The Undertaker's streak, a top draw, a guy that brought in box office, sold tickets, network subscriptions, pay-per-views, whatever WWE wanted him to do or needed him to do. Uh, you know, he even got a decent match out of Dean Ambrose, WrestleMania. I mean, that, that, that helps his legacy right there, you know? Um, come on. Brock Lesnar, pal. He ended the streak. One of the most... Like, I don't even know, like, what do you would say? Like, behind the screw job, probably the second or third biggest shock in the history of wrestling. Everybody knows where they were when he ended the streak. Mm. You know, did he need it? You could argue that to, to your blue in the face. Because someone else benefited from it. I don't know. But the guy owns SummerSlam. The guy made event at WrestleManias. Guy be, he had great matches with Brian, AJ Styles, Goldberg. You name it. In his second run, he had a great match. With him. Samoa Joe, whoever it was. Brock could do it all. Oh, no, I agree. I agree. Um, so I guess it's my turn to pick the ball up on this. Uh, just to make clear now, uh, I had, so you had Kurt Angle 14, as I said, I did too. You had Brock at 11, I did too. Uh, the one that surprised me there was Triple H not making the top 10, personally. I just view Triple H, he's a top 10 guy. I'll get to more of this next episode when we do our top 10. I just view he's a top 10 all-time just wrestler in every facet. Yeah, I got him at 12, it's not far off. I know, know. I know, it's, it's not like you had him... 50 but yeah. you know you, you gave a glowing resume a glowing cv of the wwe's chief content officer uh i think i agree with uh jk in the chat too low personally that's just me that's just me but i'm not gonna kick up a stink power it's okay so time for my 20 through 11 will anything in here be as controversial as the vince mcmahon at 29 let's find out so for me number 20 let, let's kick this thing off this guy you had at 19 i've got roddy piper uh you gave a very glowing account of everything he did and was a part of. I'm not going to restate all the, you know, bit blow for blow, but for me, the impact at the, the sort of first few years of WrestleMania, particularly WrestleMania 1, but just during that mid-80s time period, is just so profound and so unsafe in wrestling. Like, this guy, as you say, inspired so many. He was so impactful in that regard that I think he is, he's definitely a top 20 impact of wrestling all time. When I look at this list and what he did and who he inspired, CM Punk, Jericho, there's so many wrestlers, like the loud mouth, the talkers, using the microphone. He was a big catalyst for that and really embracing that, the talk show segments. The coconut thing is just legendary. It really is. So for me, yeah, Roddy cracks my top 20. I was thinking, do I have him higher? But I look at the guys above him, I'm like, I don't think it's fair that he's like 15 or anything like that. But I think he's worthy of top 20. You had him 19. Shouldn't be too much argument there. So all good. No, no freak outs yet, pal. We're Not all yet. good. Not yet. Yeah, we're good. <clears throat> I'm just Not reading the comments right now. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Okay, next, I've got Chris Jericho. 
number 19. Now, you had him a couple spots. You had him a couple spots higher. For me, I looked at Jericho, and I was I vividly remember 2019 and the start of 2020, and everyone's saying this guy is one of the goats. He's a reinvention icon. Look what he's doing for AW. He's their first world champion. He's the face of this new thing. He's worked in Japan recently. He had the list thing. He was, you know, worked at Edge in 2010. He was, you know, that heel in 2008. All the things, like all the things he's done. And then I think about, and maybe this is recency bias. Maybe he's a few spots too low. I think about the NBA Twitter thing and everything that kind of happened in the year or two after with Jericho. And granted, he's had some decent things since. Like, it's not just been all bad with Chris Jericho. His stuff with Ricky Starks, I thought was quite good. And some of the AW things there. But my God, that NBA Twitter incident has honestly probably dropped in one or two spots on my list. Having a, just a sea of regular people watch him and go, who's this fat bum Jericho? What is this rip-off, knock-off, AW, WWE? What is this? That hurt his legacy. Additionally, Kevin, the infamous incidents involving him on Twitter in 2020, the fact that he wasn't where his concert didn't have masks, pal, infamously, scandalous. Are we allowed to his mention wife, where his wife was on January 6th? His wife's political opinions, pal. These are all valid reasons why he's number 19. <laughs> So, with that being said, Kevin, <laughs> the delivery of that was ridiculous. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Brian, what take is worse? Uh, Cena versus Theory main eventing or Vince Top's easily Cena and Theory main eventing? That was the worst thing I've ever said. Vince Top 30 is legitimately good take. Nonetheless, Jericho's 19. Let's move it on. Jericho had a great career, legendary career, as you beautifully read out. I've got 19. He's top 20 all time. There is nothing to scoff at at the top 20 all time. Next. This one, similar to you actually, when you said this, I burst out laughing because it applied to me. This wrestler showed up at WrestleDream on... <laughs> I've got Adam Copeland at 18. Now, Kevin, he's done a lot as well. <laughs> Kevin, this wrestler rose to stardom on the back of this segment that got Pav beaten by his parents. The infamous January 9th, 2006 live celebration with Amy Dumas. But beyond that, years before then, he rose into stardom, Edge and Christian, which is full circles where we are now. The Hardys, Dudleys, Edge and Christian. TLC 2 alone, and that run as Edge and Christian puts them up on the tag team echelons. But beyond that, from a single standpoint, Edge was just a, I mean, him in the Ruth's aggression era, you can attest this better than I can. Obviously, you lived this. He was just one of the core pillars of that era. Be that on SmackDown, the early sort of portion of the 2000s, or on Raw with Amy Dumas, with the Matt Hardy drama, with Cena, pal. Who can forget that, pal? Amy Dumas. And nonetheless, oh he main event at WrestleMania. Kevin, I think one of the most underrated WrestleMania main events of all time. I was there I'm in the building for that. That's great. That's great. And just nonetheless, and then he's returned. Kevin, the one thing with Edge that drops him down, unfortunately, because of the neck and everything that happened with that, the fact that he missed what would have been five to ten years of his career running at Span, I'm so happy he had the comeback, and his comeback was quite good for the first two years. The, the last year he was feuding with Fergal for nine months, eh, that's led him to all late wrestling. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but that seven-year hiatus, unfortunately, if there was not, none of that, he'd be like top 15, I think, objectively. Um, that being said, all credit to Edge. 
Adam Copeland, you can't say Edge and AEW now, pal. And that infamous celebration on January 9th, 2006. So Edge comes in number 18, pal. Shouldn't be any debate on that one, pal. That's objective. May I just interject for two seconds? Yeah. Okay. See, literally me seeing the graphic for it, Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus as a wrestling match taking place in 2023, that was enough for me to drop Edge two points. Like, I, I was like, I, I mean, come on. Come on. This is Edge. This is a top 15 guy prior to last Sunday at WrestleDream. And now we're getting graphics posted all over Wrestling X. Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus. Like, and I would say the same thing if it was Cena. If Cena went to AEW and yeah. was facing whoever you want to name, Lee Moriarty or... Wheeler Yuta. If yeah. Cena, Cena goes Wheeler Yuta next week on Collision, it's like, what? He loses Got three points. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. Go ahead, go yeah. ahead, continue. That's, that's not just Edge discrimination. Real quick shout out to our, our live chat. This is some, this is great content. Edge becoming an action figure drops in below 25. Edge loves making movies. Oh movies. Okay, uh, Edge stole another man's girlfriend. He dropped 20 spots. So shout out. The, the chat is cooking right now. Him stealing another that. man's girlfriend is literally what made him a Hall of Famer. If Lita did not cheat on Matt Hardy with Edge, Edge would not be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I, I, I don't think. I, I just... He became a first ballot Hall of Famer on the Rated R Superstar thing. Like, what What would have been his gimmick if Matt Hardy and Lita got married in an alternate universe? What would have been Edge's gimmick, pal? Oh, I'm Edge. I come out to Rob Zombie music, pal. Like, I don't know. Go ahead. Go ahead. We move. We move. So, Kevin, you had the nice scandalous take there. I'm going to move on to a scandalous individual. This man in the early 2000s backstage took a dump in another wrestler's bag. Oh, I've got Randy Orton, oh. number 17. <laughs> Now, you had Eddie Guerrero at this spot. Are you had Eddie at this spot? I'm not going to debate that. We, we addressed Eddie an episode or two ago. Respectfully, I would not have him that high, but you gave your reasons. I thought that fair, very fair reasons. You explained that very well. I've got Randy Orton at 17. I think the impact of Randy Orton, albeit, as you touch on, the years of not trying, especially when I started becoming a fan, when he's on SmackDown having four-month-long feuds, Alberto Del Rio, just randomly, when he's beating up Ricardo Rodriguez every SmackDown, when he's having a feud with Wade Barrett, Kevin. My intro to Randy Orton, besides him losing to Mark Henry, which was interesting, my intro to Randy Orton was him. Did he push Wade Barrett down the stairs or did Wade Barrett push him down the stairs? On the first SmackDown of 2012, that Falls Count Anywhere match where one of them's tumbling downstairs. That was Randy Orton. Nonetheless, he's been in the company 20-odd years. Hopefully, he returns soon. Hopefully, he can add to this. And build on it with, I guess, like a one last run almost. There were rumors that he, like, he's going to retire because of his back. That, that's clearly false by the sounds of it. He's going to come back quite soon. It's going to be great to see him. His 2020 through about, what are we saying? The start of Raid Larkay Bro, like that run, like that year and a bit, the Edge feud and the McIntyre stuff, and, you know, him up the top as WWE champion. That saved him about probably three to five rankings, I think, because before that, it was really, honestly, about 10 years of not a whole lot. Yes, he was WWE champion. Yes, he made an event at WrestleMania 30. He was the third wheel in that. He had, the, he had the props. He had the belts. But everyone was more talking about Daniel Bryan. He was the focus. You're talking about Triple H in, in his involvement, the authority, and you're talking about Batista. So Orton, he, he was involved there. Cool. A lot of floating around the mid-card. But you can't go past the RKO out of nowhere. That, on Evan Bourne, what that did for Randy Orton from a virality standpoint, from a impact standpoint. Kevin, you've had people on Vine and later TikTok and just all these social medias RKOing kids in pools and just RKOing friends, RKOing each other. 
a finisher being that viral, I think you called him the greatest finisher ever, I yep. believe. Yep, I did. I yeah. did. Legendary. And before that, going back to the 2000s now, the infamous Triple H storyline, 2009, Kevin, we've reacted to one of these things. We've done commentary for it. Triple H, you know, a home invasion with Randy Orton. There's that. And then there's, then there's the stuff with Mick Foley in 2004, Evolution. He had the match against The Undertaker at WrestleMania. That's probably his best WrestleMania, or most notable WrestleMania match. WrestleMania 21 that I can think of. Definitely wasn't WrestleMania 36 in the empty arena where they got criticized and gave one star by Meltzer. It wasn't that match. Um, nonetheless, Kevin, Randy Orton 17. I don't think he's top 15. I don't think he's outside the top 20. I think that's a fair placing. No arguments. There you go. Have it, pal. Cool. Next. Kevin, this wrestler, you ranked 24. And I thought that was disrespectful. This I've got Rey Mysterio here. Wow. Yeah, wait, wait. You have Rey over Jericho, Edge, and Orton. Wow, that's... Um, what are the negatives that get said about Rey Mysterio? Kevin? Because, like, Rey, unanimously, he's the most beloved wrestler I've pretty much ever seen. I, I can't think of anyone who you just do ne- you never say anything said about him. Yeah, it's either yes, him or like, Eddie. It's either him or Eddie, really. That's fair. That's fair. And what in to make it clear, why I have Ray here and Eddie at 33, Ray, he's played out his whole career. And this would probably be where Eddie was if Eddie tragically never passed, right? You know, Eddie came in, what? I mean, he trained for wrestling in the early 90s. He came in ECW 95, WCW about 96 through, what, you know, 2000 roughly. And then he transitioned off to WWF and WWE. And he's been a stall. He's been a... It's just a tradition ever since. And he's dabbled in, in the 2010s and other companies and what have you. But really, this is a WWE legend. This is someone who you hardly hear, ever hear a bad word about. He is so iconic with the masks. The greatest luchador ever. He's been world champion, WWE champion. He's held the IC title, tag titles. He's absolutely done everything, Rey Mysterio. And I was looking at him going, you know, his entrance is iconic. His theme song is iconic. His look's iconic. His wrestling style still at 50. He does well. This year at WrestleMania 39, I think he had the greatest entrance in the last few years. All things considered, him coming out in WrestleMania Hollywood 18 years after the Eddie thing to face Don Mysterio in a low rider with Snoop Dogg. It's just, you just don't get better than that. So like to me, I just can't say a bad word about Rey Mysterio. And it's similar to Eddie, but once again, Eddie's career didn't get to unfortunately play out. So this is where I've got Ray. I've got him 16. Some may think, oh, it's high. I thought Eddie um, Ray at 24 and your list was low. That was me. So I've got him 16. I think Ray is just an absolute legend. He's still going to stay, pal. He was at Fastlane, pal. Working Bobby Lashley in this match, pal. So there you have it. There you go. Just icon, pal. He, Ray's inspired so many. He's pioneered a style, pal. I cannot hear one bad word about Ray Mysterio besides the fact he beats the kids. There you go. All right. We good to go? Yeah. We ready to keep You going, pal. Okay. Next, this wrestler, I was, I was thinking, so how, where do I put this individual? Because this is someone you, you ranked, where did you, you ranked in this episode. You had this man, 18. This is Roman Reigns. This is someone who has had one of the most interesting careers of anyone ever. Yeah. He comes in as the Shield, which some argue is the best stable ever. I think it's, it's up there, arguably. It's just a great faction. It was only there for a year and a half, though, really. So it's hard to say it was the greatest. But a great run as a shield. The singles thing just didn't work. It was so bad. And that's objective. It was just, it just didn't work. So here's him as a babyface singles guy. 
there are some good matches in there. The WrestleMania 31 main events are positive. He had like a fun last man standing match with like Big Show on a, on a Raw or SmackDown. I don't know. There were some positives, right? But on the whole, a lot of just, uh, he had some good matches with AJ Styles in 2016 as Reigns getting unanimously booed as everyone's cheering Styles when it's supposed to be the opposite way around. There was stuff like that. But really with Roman, why he's he is here is the fact that he was the, and has been, is technically still, even though he's not showing up at the moment, he's the top guy successfully with a great all-timer top guy run for multiple years. He's been the champion for over three years now. And I'm saying from the moment he came back in 2020 through about objectively the two years until SummerSlam 22, and even into 2023 with Sami Zayn, and maybe WrestleMania 39, that was all great by and large. There was very little in that two and a half year run that was not good. Granted, yeah, Finn Balor at Extreme Rules 2021 flopping like a fish. Stuff like that was weird. Roman Reigns wearing a mask in the audience. There have been some things which have been like eyebrow raising, but nothing has been like bad that sticks out. There's been a great bloodline thing. That's been his thing. Acknowledge me. He now has something. And to me, that something's gone to number 15. Does he end up top 10? This is the big thing with Joanna Y. If he wrestles these like marquee matches, the next few WrestleManias, he wrestles maybe The Rock one, maybe... Maybe he wrestles Cody in a great match next year. Maybe he wrestles Braun Breaker and really puts him over in three years. Gunther, who knows? Who knows? He transitions towards the next generation. He could end up as the you know, top 10 to 12. But yeah, I got a 15. There we go. I think he deserves it, pal. So there you have it. Any dispute, pal? There we go. A, a silent crowd's a good crowd, pal. Just like AEW. Nonetheless. Um... You should see the crowd that uh, Edge is performing in front of at Collision. Uh, no, I digress. I digress. Go ahead. Now, Adam Copeland, can I just kind of recreate what he did when he came out of Wrestle Dream? Yeah, please. Pretend that's please. the hard cam crowd. He ran out and he looked. He's like, wait, there's no one there. What the hell? It's a blank, it's a blank wall, pal. Nonetheless. Wow. That, that being said, pal, empty seats. Number 14, I've got a wrestler who, I mean, we had the same ranking, Kurt Angle. Uh, Kurt Angle, I mean, we did a whole, we did two hours of praise on this guy in our bio. He's a, the ultimate five-tool player. I think with Kurt, as uh, JK said in the chat, if he was in WWE for like maybe 10 years, because he, you know, he was in WWE six or seven years, if he was in WWE 10 years, I think he's top 10 all time. He was that great at everything. Yeah. He was a great entertainer, a legendary entertainer. Just he, he got entertainment like that. Not a lot of wrestlers click at entertainment like that. He was so good. He's in ring. I mean, Art Carter, I think Art's watched near all his matches and, like, ranked them as part of a series. Art knows, the chat knows, a wrestling master. He was a phenom in the ring. And you've listed the matches in your ranking. I'm not going to just recite the same matches, but here's some incredible matches. The TNA stuff was, yeah, some stuff was really good. You know, some stuff, Samoa Joe, when he came in, and, uh, you know, some of the matches he had, especially late 2000s, there's stuff, you know, main event mafias and there's stuff with, you know, a few with Lashley in 2015, pal. And Angle was always around the mark in TNA. He was always doing something. Some of it clicked, some of it didn't. There wasn't anything egregiously bad off the top of my head. There's no, like, Jeff Hardy victory road thing in there for Kurt Angle. There's nothing, like, horrible that I can think of. Um, but nonetheless, I think Angle, he's a top talent all time. I think he deserves the 14th spot. I think that's fair. That's not, not insulting, pal. I don't think he's a Mount Rushmore all-time, overall, everything-encompassing wrestler. But as a five-tool player, as an in-ring technician, 
it's one of the greatest to ever do it. So that being said, Kevin, we move on. This wrestler, you didn't list in yours. You've got this wrestler in your top 10. Uh, uh, I, I know. Probably... I know who this is. I know. It's Bret okay. Hart. Bret Hart, right? No. Kevin. No. Macho this Macho? wrestler, I've got Randy Savage. Yeah. Um, which I, once again, we did a bio on Randy Savage as well. And it's so interesting reflecting on this guy because he's the greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time, or arguably one of them. He was involved in one of the great storylines of the Golden Era, that storyline with Hulk Hogan. He was a large-in-life personality, a five-tool player. He had so many great qualities. His sort of fade-out from WWE was a bit... Weird. You know, we've, we've, we've discussed this. It's a bit sort of, huh? Yeah. And the fact that he just basically got blackballed. Like, I mean, he was in WCW for a bit and yada yada, but it's sort of just not, nothing more. Like, he had that, that run from, what, you know, mid-'80s through very early-'90s. Just awesome all-time, like, a top-10 all-time run for, like, six or seven years. Great main events, yada yada. But it sort of just ended after that. You know, I'm not saying he needed to come back to WWE in 2005 and wrestle for three years. I'm not saying that, but just something. I don't know. I guess bridges were burnt, clearly. Stuff went down that we don't quite know. Things have happened. It, yeah. it's, it's clear. Uh, but once again, same with Kurt Angle. As a talent, all time, he's one of the absolute greatest ever to do it. Nothing but love for Randy Savage. Him at 13 is not sliding anyone or him or at all. I just, he's, he's 13. So there you have it, pal. There you have it. Next. You had him 13. I got him 12, Andre. Uh, what, what more can you say about Andre? I mean, this is this is one of the wonders of the world. This is someone who is so larger than life. This is the, the epitome of larger than life. Yeah. And we use that term with guys like Batista and these jacked wrestlers. This guy was seven foot five. I don't know how many pounds. It depends who you ask. 500, 600 pounds. In my metrics, like 250 kilograms. He would literally drink a can, like a, a like a twenty-four pack of beers, in like one sitting. It just that he's a once-in-a-lifetime freak of nature. Uh, and was, as a wrestler, he didn't lose for fifteen years until what you mentioned, WrestleMania three, the body slam, and all that. The impact that had is so significant. As far as impact on wrestling, that beyond near enough anything else besides yes, yeah, screw job and maybe one or two other things, but. Yeah, I've got to really respect Andre, as Art Carter says, the first real mainstream yeah, wrestler. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, you know, nothing but love for Andre the Giant, just phenomenal. So Andre's 12, and an 11, I've got Brock Lesnar, same as you. Uh, Brock, I mean, I feel like I've praised Brock so much. We have on this show, he deserves, Brock is just an absolute legend. He's a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. I'm so, I'm so happy and appreciative I can still see Brock. And maybe when WWE is at Perth Stadium in next February, I might get to see Brock wrestle in person, which would be amazing. Like, seeing this once-in-a-lifetime specimen, he's 46, 47 now. I don't know. He came in when he was in his early 20s. He's had a legendary career. He's done MMA. He's done football. He's, you know, he's done it all. But with the wrestling stuff, his, as you say, 2002, 2004 run alone puts in top 50. His 2012 through 2023 run... Puts him objectively in the top 15. And, yeah, I've got an 11. There's not much he couldn't do. There's not much he couldn't do. I think, yeah, Lesnar over Andre. Lesnar just had – he had more matches that you can think of. I just think Lesnar did more. I just think he did more. He was more versatile. Andre is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete, person. So is Brock. They're one spot apart, you know. It's nothing crazy offensive, I don't think. But 
They're both legends. So there's my number 11, pal. There you go. There it is, pal. All right, so that's going to do it for this rendition of Elite Heat. And yeah, we'll be back. Uh, we, got a, we got a fun episode of Elite Take to look forward to for this coming week. That's going to be a great episode. We got some great scandalous, scathingly worded questions. I can't wait to talk about that. So, yeah, so. Well, Kevin, before we, just before we sign, I just want to give one quick teaser for that. Kevin, there are some, I mean, the topics I listed on the, the live show, but on the, the post, but, I mean, Sam Punk, there's a lot about there. We're going to unpack. Riddle, Kevin's got some things to say on him regarding the race oh, yeah. and the laces. Kevin and his family love Matt Riddle, so we're going to deep dive on that. Dolph Ziggler, there's some things we need to say now that he's gone, and we'll probably be Tony Khan's next action figure. We'll get to that. We need to double down Adam Copeland. Kevin, we just do. You you want to double down on Adam Copeland. We oh, just yeah. have to. And Kevin, NXT is the most stacked show ever this week. You've got two of the six greatest wrestlers. I don't want to spoil it. Two of the seven greatest wrestlers of all time appearing on NXT this week just to beat Adam Copeland versus Luchasaurus in the ratings on Tony Khan's birthday. So there you go, pal. There it is, pal. Yeah, so this is it for the podcast portion. Uh, we'll probably stick around. You want to you do a little chat for a little bit or you want to get out of here?